Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is championed. I am Sharissa Wood, a practicing dental hygienist who wants to share my passion for all things hygiene and the oral systemic connection to help empower, encourage, and equip you listeners. Bulletproof Hygiene's ultimate goal is to bring knowledge and tools that facilitate optimal patient care, healthy team culture, and professional fulfillment. If you are a growth-minded hygienist or dental professional looking to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene, then you're in the right place. Now, let's dive in and become Bulletproof together. Another exciting episode of Bulletproof Hygiene, where we are going to take a deep dive into the world of mastering oral care instructions. As you know, I'm Sharissa, and I'm joined today by one of our amazing mastermind hygienists, Karina Diaz. You've heard her on a previous uh, episode, so if you missed that, go back and listen. She is amazing, and you can find her. She is on Instagram at toothy underscore in underscore bougie. She has some really fun posts, so check them out if you haven't already and follow her. And today, we are embarking on a journey to help dental hygienists like ourselves take their patient interactions toward home care instructions to the next level. We all know that in the hustle and bustle of our day to do all the things that have to be done and cover all the aspects of a dental appointment, in those limited time frames, it's really easy to kind of breeze past one of the bedrocks of our profession, home care education. It is the heart of what we do. And it's crucial in ensuring our patients, ensuring that our patients achieve and maintain optimal oral health. So join us as we unravel the secrets of effective oral hygiene instructions. We'll decode the art of communication between clinician and patient, exploring strategies to make these conversations more engaging, informative, and impactful. Because after all, our mission is not just to clean teeth, but to empower our patients to take control of their own oral health. Stay tuned for insights, tips, and practical advice that will not only enhance your practice, but also leave your patients smiling brighter and coming back again and again to get your expert advice. Let's get started. Karina, I am so excited to have you joining me today. I know you are one of the most passionate hygienists um, about really helping your patients achieve oral health. So I'd love that you wanted to join me today to talk about this. Totally. And I know that as dental hygienists, we really play a crucial role in multiple things, especially when it comes to oral health, simply because we have so much to discuss. We have preventative care, early detection, support treatment, such as the treatment that a doctor may be recommending or even ourselves are recommending, oral health education, customizing our care to what exactly that our patients need. And lastly, how oral health contributes to overall health and their well-being. So before anything, Sharissa, I wanted to ask you, what be, before you were a dental hygienist, what was your image of what a dental hygienist was? So let's see. I will tell you that I, my, I always enjoyed going to the dentist as a child. It, it was never painful or uncomfortable. And I always thought, you know, that the hygienist seemed very friendly and, and pretty and knowledgeable and fun. Um, and, you know, I have said this in the past that when I first got into hygiene, I really honestly thought it was going to be a lot more preventative 
Um, I didn't realize, you know, the epidemic of disease that we face and, and all of the inflammation that is out there that we see in our chairs every day. And I get really excited when I see a patient who actually just needs some prevention, you know, some practices to help them stay where they're at. But yeah, that, I think that was my general impression of a hygienist. And I love how you said pretty. <laughs> um, yeah. And like, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to the dentist very, very young. I wasn't even 100% happy with my teeth because I had my front teeth kind of going back. Um, and so I was really excited to get braces on. I was and I was really excited to just go period. Never in a million years did I think that I would become a dental hygienist. Um, but here I am today. And so it's kind of silly, but as a teenager, I always just thought of a hygienist as the lady who cleans my teeth, pretty lady at that. <laughs> um, and she would just have perfect home care. She would probably be the person that you'll go out to eat with her and she'll have to dismiss herself from the table at a restaurant because she'd probably have to go and floss. Um, and you probably know that in her purse, she had multiple things to clean her teeth. That is <laughs> hilarious. I love it. <laughs> And that's just was my image that this was the lady that if I went to lunch with her, I'd have to go act like I had perfect home care just because she was there. That's um, so since you said that you did go to the dentist often as a kid, what were your visits like before you even knew that you wanted to go to the dental into the dental field? So I want to clarify, I went to the dentist as a kid. I did not go routinely. Okay. Um, I grew up, my parents were divorced and I would go visit my dad in the summer. And it seemed like my dad would take me regularly. I grew up a military brat. So we moved a lot and I think things just got lost in the mix. Um, so I don't remember a ton of visits, unfortunately. Um, but what I remember it was, you know, it was good and it was easy and it wasn't uncomfortable. And, um, you know, it's funny that you said you wanted braces because as a, as a teenager, I wanted braces too. Um, and not so much because I felt like my teeth needed to be different, but just because I thought it was the cool thing. Um, ironically, I did not have braces. I didn't need braces. Um, but I remember like being jealous of all my friends that had them and, um, I would say just, you know, I remember, I definitely remember uh, the, the profi paste, like feeling that grit for hours after and, um, you know, that I didn't love the taste of the fluoride. And I remember, you know, they would talk a little bit about, you know, how I should brush my teeth and that's pretty much the extent of it. Okay. So do you like really remember the hygienist or the dentist, like fully going into detail with like home care instruction and things like that? No, I do not. That is not a distinct memory. Yeah. And I, I will say I had a very similar situation where I don't feel like I was talked about it often enough. Um, I, I probably would say that I never really knew anything about flossing other than it was just something you had to do up until I was in dental hygiene school. All I remember my hygienist ever truly saying was like I had to floss, but she would never go into detail about what like how to hold it how much to use things like that so yeah. I just knew I had to do it but never how to do it and how to truly do it and how to do it correctly um but the truth is I probably wasn't even brushing as good as I should have um some days I'd brush one time a day as a teenager some days two times a day but, and if I, when I was brushing it for sure was not two minutes 
Right. Um, and she never like pointed that out to me. I'm sure she could tell. Um, but she just never really talked to me about what my home care habits were like. Um, and I feel like I couldn't expect that too much from my mom because my mom didn't have that education to guide me the right way. So um, unfortunately, it's not something that I grew up getting in terms of home care education from my hygienist. Um, so it's something I think that I have now found extremely essential um, for my approach to patient care. Simply because. Absolutely. Like think about our patients are coming to us as the experts. They don't, right. they don't know what they don't know. And they know we know what they don't know. So they are coming. If our whole goal is to help them achieve oral health and they see us twice a year, maybe three times, maybe four times a year in our chair, all those other days, they have to know how to take care of things. And we have to be the ones to teach them. A hundred percent. And so I guess with my growing up, um, and me seeing what I know now compared to what I know knew then, it's it's made me kind of take an approach differently as a hygienist myself. So let's say at an initial appointment with a patient that I've never treated, I'll treat the patient like if they've never received any form of oral hygiene instruction, simply because I never knew what the previous hygienist has taught them. Um, and I think it's very critical to never make an assumption about a patient's knowledge for dental care. For instance, if I'm simply observing lack of flossing in a, in a patient, I use that opportunity to reset their understanding. And so I'll often take that approach in a way where I'll say, hey, since this is our first appointment together and I'm not aware of your prior education, let's just start from the beginning. Um, because you don't want to take it in an approach where you're judging them either. Yep. Um, and I think that's very important as well. So I'll then provide a hands-on tutorial. I'll give them a mirror. And then I'll take everything step by step um, fundamentally to take the effective technique for flossing. Um, I mean, we have to floss them anyways at the end of the cleaning. Might as well add an extra minute. Um, to do a little more detail on what you're doing. Yes. So well, I'll cover. I was going to say, it's crazy how many times I've, because I do the same thing where I show a patient that and they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know it could go that far under my gum. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's the whole point of flossing. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so it's, it's crazy too. Yeah. Cause those reactions after it's like, is that really like happening? So I'll literally cover everything from the right amount of floss to use, how to hold it, which fingers to use, which fingers to use, um, the significance of not just flicking in the floss and actually doing that C shape to get underneath the gum line. Um, and that's where I'll really stress what the C shape does. And by doing that, we're cleaning below the gum line up to three millimeters. And now this is where I'm also able to talk about anything past four millimeters. It's not healthy because you're not able to clean it at home. Um, and so that C shape gets really stressed at that point. So then they'll start to react in a certain way and they'll, and they'll say, I've never been taught like this before, or I've never paid attention to cleaning below the gum line like that, kind of like what you just said. Yep. Um, and I find that in these moments of discovery, that makes our efforts truly rewarding and empowering in our patients to achieve optimal health. 
Yeah. And, you know, I, so it's funny that we're talking about this. I just saw a patient today who has some, who's has periodontal disease. Um, as I was probing, you know, those patients where you're, you're probing and you keep having to wipe off your probe because it keeps getting covered in plaque. Um, he was one of those. And so, you know, we talked about all of our assessments, what we were seeing, what's going on, our concerns, you know, went through the whole thing. And I obviously wasn't cleaning him today. We did a salivary test and we're getting him back for periotherapy. And um, so I knew I had a little extra time in my visit and I thought, I want to start working on this now. So I actually disclosed him and gave him the mirror and showed him because most of what you could see, and I like the, um, the two-tone disclosing solution so that you can see the older and the newer plaque and it helps them understand like what they're really missing and how long it's been there. Oh yeah. And so I just got in there and showed him just like you said, the technique, but I showed him, do you see like it, this floss is taking that off immediately and so easily. And like, you know, his eyes got really big and he's like, oh my gosh, I did not know that. And then another thing I like to say, just since we're talking about tips and tricks, when I talk to patients about flossing is you know, flossing is really important to disrupt bacteria, but we have to remember it's not killing bacteria. It is just a piece of string. It's not killing it. So it's really important to keep this biofilm disrupted so that it's not sitting and allowing those bacteria to secrete those toxins and, and irritate and infect the gums. That's how it's a preventative measure is this biofilm is coming off your teeth. So it's really cool when you use the disclosing like that because they can actually see it happening and they're like, oh my gosh, and it just clicks. Yeah. And I even love to do disclosing solution and have like, especially on teenagers or, or young kids and have the parents come in and the parents are like, oh, but they tell me they're brushing. And it's like, well, this is showing. And then I'll, I'll kind of lead that into a point where I'm telling them, well, you can buy this at home. Yep. I do the same thing. Yep. And, and I tell parents, do. give them a, give them a like pop quiz, you know, like you send them to go brush and then be like, okay, now I want you to use this disclosing. And actually that's a point I want to make. I think you can use disclosing really well to teach yourself where you're missing and then work on that. So what I usually tell patients is don't just disclose and then brush it off because then, you know, you're getting it all, but brush first, use the disclosing and see where you missed and then go back and get that. But then in the future, you know what areas you need to work on that you're struggling with and use it as like a training tool for yourself. It's true. Yeah. And, you know, now thinking back to my previous comment, I said about what I thought a dental hygienist was as a teenager. I'd love to see my hygienist and her dis and disclose her after <laughs> she brushes <laughs> and to see if my teenager self would still think she was as perfect as I thought. <laughs> Um, so since we're talking about home care instruction, I wanted to get into detail with some fun statistics. I sometimes even bring these into my appointments and share these with my patients. Um, number one, the average American only spends 45 seconds brushing their teeth. And I actually really love to share this statistic with my patients simply because patients swear they are brushing for five minutes. Right. And it's like, Listen, this is, you're going to be brushing for two minutes. When you start to do this, it's going to seem like forever, yep. but that is a true two minutes. Um, and going into manual toothbrushes, these are actually more often used in the U.S. anytime between 2012 to 2020. Um, and I think that that's pretty expected simply because of the cost. Um, 
not everybody has access to electric toothbrushes, but I am totally okay with manual toothbrushes as long as patients truly understand that they need to be brushing for the right amount of time and have the right bristle strength. Yeah. And I talk to patients a lot. This is what I think happens. And and I'm always just, I try to be really real with patients and stay on their same level. But I would say, you know, I know most of the time when we're brushing, we're thinking about a thousand other things, or we just woke up and our brain's not even on yet. And so we're just kind of, you know, running it all over the place, but we're not, I I encourage my patients to um, get systematic with it. And one of the things that we do at our practice is anytime new patients come to see us, we like to gift them with a, we have our own Atlanta Dental Spa branded toothbrush which is an electric toothbrush, um, really similar to like a Sonicare. It's got a two minute timer. So it pauses every 30 seconds. So I use that as an opportunity to explain to them how to use the brush, how to angle it, how long it should take him to get from molar to molar on the, you know, on the buckle coming around on the lingual. So yeah, you're right. I think everybody, and, and it was funny, the guy that I disclosed today in from the just straight direct facials, most of the places he was doing a good job, except he missed like nine, 10, 11, and then the lowers right under, but everything else he had gotten. So it's it's cool to disclose and let them see like you have certain areas that are just, you're not hitting. And what do you find are your reactions when you're going into detail with patients and you're like explaining that two minute and it, towards the gum line and things like that? I think patients appreciate that. Um, and seem interested. And like I said, because I'm not coming at it like, well, this is how you should brush. I'm saying like, hey, you know, most of us, I think we're so busy in life and we just get in there and we're really quick and we're just kind of here, 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 and we may miss things. So I find that if you use this brush, you know, really um, systematically and have a routine every time, you're going to get the best job done. And the, you know, the great thing about the brush is it pauses every 30 seconds. So, you know, like, okay, it's time to move on to the next area. But yeah, I feel like most patients in general are, are pretty appreciative. Now, granted, we're giving them a new, really nice toothbrush. So I think they're appreciative of that anyway. <laughs> or at least they better be. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, they're yes. usually like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Oh, that's sweet. And like, I find too, that sometimes kind of like what you said, where he was missing one little area, it would depend more because they're either going straight to the back um, to those molars. Sometimes I'll find that they'll kind of quickly skip the premolar area or just quickly go over it and then go to this area. But then if you think about it with your dominant hand, when you turn now, unless you're really going like this, you're not getting those front teeth. Um, And so I really like to point that out to my patients. Um, and that's where I think those 30 seconds per quadrant really comes into play. Um, but going back into like bristles, another fun statistic is as of 2020, medium bristles are actually the most commonly used. And that includes 118 million Americans that are currently or in 2020 using medium bristle compared to soft, which I would say is just about every hygienist go to or ultra soft with 102 million. Um, and 44 million Americans are using firm bristle toothbrushes, which we know as dental hygienists, the damage that that does. So when I'm reading these statistics, we have medium at number one, soft or ultra soft at number two, and then firm at number three in terms of how many Americans are using that. So this just tells me, 
Are we truly asking the right questions to our patients in the chair as hygienists? Why do we find that there's still so many at 44 million using firm bristles? So I want our listeners to think back to the last time you questioned your patients that are still using manual toothbrushes, what bristle strength they were using. And kind of not to just let that question slide off and say, hey, are you using a manual toothbrush or electric, and then just kind of let it stop right there when they say manual, kind of go a little more into further detail. Yep, I love that. Um, and I think, you know, I don't know if you've run into this, but I've had several patients who, I, I think, it, I feel like it's a lot of men like the firmer bristles. And they've told me that they're like, oh, I just feel like the soft bristle doesn't do enough. I, you know, I like to use the firmer and I'm like, then you have to educate on why, you know, don't recommend that. But yeah, I've had some patients who tell me straight up, like that's their preference. So everybody who walks around, my, who walks by my app op, probably thinks I'm a little crazy because I like to put a visual to this. And so what I'll say is I'll put my two hands up like this with, with when it comes to bristle strength. And I'll say, think of your bristles like my hands. The firm is going to be moving all like kind of tight but your soft or ultra soft is gonna be a little bit more wiggly and that's what's gonna actually sweep away the plaque the way you want it to. That firm, in order for it to do the movement you want it to do, you're gonna have to brush with a lot of pressure or longer time, which is exactly what we don't want in terms of pressure. So I think that visual really helps patients. Um, same thing with like a broom for your house. We I don't know if you guys have bought some cheapy ones and then some more expensive ones. There is definite difference in, yes. in those that strength for that broom. Um, That's a good analogy. And, I like that. Yeah. And I think that little visual kind of like wiggling it kind of helps patients really see it. Um, going back into our statistics, 69% of Americans brush their teeth twice a day. So that's leaving a good amount that are not doing a minimum amount of twice a day, unfortunately. Well, and can I tell you, like my standard habit with every patient, when I walk into the room, you know, I always say, Hey, how are you? What's going on? How was, you know, your summer, whatever. Um, how's your mouth feeling? What are you doing to take care of it on a daily basis? I always ask that question, all of my recare patients, because the answers are so varied. I cannot, I, I know where these, uh, the other percentage of these people are. They're probably in my practice because I have patients legitimately, like, I mean, I guess I'm grateful that they're honest, but telling me like, yeah, I brush about four times a week and I'm like, okay. And then, but, but then I immediately know like, okay, my, in my head, I'm not going to shame them. I'm not going to, we're just going to educate and maybe today I'm not going to talk a whole lot about flossing. Maybe today our challenge is going to be that you floss every day. Could I, could I stretch that to twice a day? You know, so that just asking that at the top of every appointment, I think is vital to know what they're doing so that we know what we may need to tweak or, or make improvements on. And I find too, that in order to get an honest answer from my patients, you can't ask in a yes or no question. Yes. yes. Because they will say yes to everything. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I'll say, you know, what are you doing to take care of your mouth right now? And they're like, uh, brushing and flossing. And I'm like, okay, do you brush twice a day? Yeah. So I get really specific and yeah. Well, you know, do you floss every day? Oh, not every day. Well, how many times a week do you think? So yeah, you do. You have to kind of prompt the yep. responses. Yeah. 
And so going back into our brushing, 23% of Americans have gone two or more days without brushing their teeth. Imagine, and since we both do salivary testing, imagine what a salivary test would look like after that point. I would actually love to see a study on that. <laughs> um, and when we get specific with ages, for ages between 18 to 24, that number jumps up to 37%. And to get a little even more age specific, 75% of millennials only brush their teeth once a day. Oh. I fall into that millennial age. <laughs> um, and I definitely but not that statistic. <laughs> no, not that statistic. Um, and I definitely have a good amount of millennials that are in my chair on a daily basis. So I can definitely see where this high percentage of 75% is coming from. So that's a huge number, truly. Are we really talking enough about brushing habits with our patients? Are we asking the right questions? Are we guiding them the right way? So for me, I was sometimes focused, like you mentioned earlier, focus on that appointment, just discussing proper brushing technique with certain patients. Number one, because of the time we have in the chair. Um, I know it's very time limiting. And number two, because honestly, if they can't even brush properly, how can I even expect them to start flossing? Yes, I agree with this 100%. And I do want to speak to the timing issue of this. This is not a conversation that you have to be having while your patient's sitting up, you know, the needed knee, eye to eye conversation. This is not that. This can be while you are actively working and having, you know, just kind of checking in, you know, telling the stats about why these things are important, you know, all of that. And then at the end, like you said, when you grab your mirror, that's when you can start having that conversation or continue that conversation so that it's not taking a whole lot of your extra time. Exactly. And like, I noticed too, it's a little hard for patients to hear us when we have our suction running or we have our Cavitron running. So I'll typically start this conversation once I'm officially hand scaling um, and they can't talk back. <laughs> so I'm just working and talking. Um, so Typically what happens is if I, once I have their pa my patients open their mouth, I'm seeing plaque all along the gum line and it's not just in a proximal, that's where I'll start to question the patient. And I'll say something like, when was the last time you brushed? Sometimes they'll say things like right before I got here. Um, and then I'll now jump into the question of, did you brush extra good because you knew you were coming today or did you just do a quick brush? So if they're telling me that they brushed extra good and I'm still finding that much plaque, yep. then I'll take the route and I'll say something like, well, this is you brushing extra good, but this is where I'm finding plaque. But if they tell, they told me something like, oh, I was just in a rush. I did it quickly. Then I'll respond and I'll say, look, that quick brush left plaque along the gum line in these specific areas. And I'll use my Explorer or my probe to kind of scrape that off and I'll actually show them. Um, and I think they, they are kind of like, whoa. And they kind of really, it helps them see what I see. Yes. And again, I'm not taking extra time by doing that. I'm literally just lifting the probe out of their mouth to show them. Um, and I'll use that opportunity for some oral hygiene instruction. And then I'll dive in deeper and discuss the importance of brushing for a full two minutes minimum and breaking it down into a 30 seconds per quadrant in order to get an effective all over clean. 
because truly our hands do favor the same side of our mouth and the same sextant in our mouth. So as we move around, we'll tend to end up back in the same place of where our hand favors and we don't even realize it. And so sometimes this typically can even be those quadrants when you're probing that there's always like one quadrant or just the buckles on the upper right that are like the best numbers. And then the rest of the mouth, we're seeing some higher numbers when we're probing. And that's probably because that patient is always starting their brushing routine in that same exact spot every single time. So when you start to give basic brushing tips with these patients, um, same thing with the flossing, they're responding with something like, wow, no one's ever told me that before. Or I love to kind of bring this conversation up with my elderly patients because they're like, wow, I've been brushing all these years. I never even knew that. Um, and then they'll start to come back to their recall three to six months later. And it's really fun because they'll say something like, hey, I've been trying what you told me. I've been brushing for the two minutes. I can feel the difference. Let me know if you notice any changes. Yeah, I love that because and then now that you're their trusted advisor. So if now you're like, oh, and this, this is so true to me. Hygiene is a journey with all of our patients. We're not going to be able to do all the things at one appointment. Like it is a process of what we're going to work through from all things. And I think oral hygiene instruction is the same way. Like it's a process where you keep adding until they just are looking really, really amazing. So once they're, they've got the brushing down, now you can be like, okay, can I show you some, you know, tips for flossing? And I think that because they've already done what you've asked, they're proud of it. They're excited about it. Now they're open. People like to be praised. Let's be honest. So if, if they have done their work and they're like, Hey, I've done it. Tell me what you think. Like there's another opportunity to, for them to get better and get more praise. Yeah. And we understand that as hygienists, like just brushing alone is not going to make you come back to your next recall, like completely perfect. But what happens now is they're coming back with improvement and that the way we react is what motivates our patients. And now they see us as like some sort of genius and that we're we like BFFs now. Um, or sometimes they'll come into the appointments. They won't say anything on what they've changed. I've had this happen before too. Um, and then I'll question them and I'll say, hey, have you done anything different since I saw you last? You actually have less bleeding this time around. Then that's when the truth comes out. And they're like, yeah, I was wondering if you would notice. Um, and it's actually funny because I had a patient not too long ago tell my doctor during the periodic exam. She was like, you know, Karina told me I was doing a good job today and she's a tough critic. So I know I'm doing a really good job. So this just brings me to my next point. We must work hard at giving our patients a new baseline of how they're doing at each visit. This allows us to maybe make the appointments more enjoyable. Um, and as dental professionals, I think we have to work at just making dental visits period more enjoyable for society um, because we don't want to make it a whole hour of scolding our patients. Right. That doesn't um, do anything for anyone. <laughs> no, <laughs> not even I, not even I would like that. Um, it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant to hear for anyone, not you, not me. So that's why I really strive to take a non-judgmental approach to things and just educate them on the things they may have never heard before. I love how you said earlier, you know, in the beginning, you said, you know, you try not to make assumptions. 
I think that is the best, that is one of the best life rules, I think, you know, just in general, but especially in the hygiene chair, not making assumptions about um, what patients do, do or don't know. I say that with perio all the time. Like you said, you kind of look at patients for the first time and be like, you know, I don't, I'm starting with you for the first time. Let's start from the beginning. I say that a lot with perio patients that I ha- have been perio maintenance for a while that I haven't met before is, Hey, I don't know what your previous conversation has been about periodontal disease, but I want to, I want to kind of start off with that conversation of what that is and why that matters. Because again, I don't want to make assumptions because I've had too many patients who are perio maintenance patients that have no idea they have periodontal disease. Yeah. No true. idea that that therapy was for an active infection. So yeah, no assumptions. I think that that is huge. And I think they notice when we take that approach and, and they appreciate it because it's showing that we're not being judgmental. So this kind of will lead me to my next question and how many hygienists out there feel like they're just telling their patients, you got to floss or you got to floss more. So every single recall, they feel like their patients are just coming in with the same kind of symptoms, same signs. There's really not much change. And at that point, I think it's sometimes a point where we have to be self-reflective and we should sit back and kind of think, is it the patient being lazy or am I just not getting the message across to our patient, to my patient? Um, Because simply they may be not be understanding what they are doing wrong at home and how they can improve it. And that's exactly where we come in. Well, and I think too, we have to come from the vantage point. People do not make changes for themselves unless they see the value and there's desire there. So just because we say you need to floss more, that doesn't mean anything to them. But if you can connect with them and help them understand the why, then they're like, oh, this makes sense. I need this. I'm going to do this. So it's always connecting with the reasons behind it, I think, to get patients motivated. Yeah. And then going back to like our previous comment on those that do floss, I always like to go the approach of saying, hey, you're already doing it. Let's just make sure you're doing it correctly. So try this C-shaped technique and we're going to get a reduction in this inflammation that I'm seeing Um, because they're already doing it. Let's not waste the time that you're spending on it. So I I, I want to throw in a quick tip here, and this is probably um, showing my signs of age, but I'm now at a point where I need one of the 10X makeup mirrors to do my eye makeup. (laughs) And uh, one day I decided I was going to floss in that. Oh my gosh. And I have told multiple patients about this. I'm like, do you have a 10X makeup mirror? And they're like, yes. I'm like, floss in that. You will never not floss again. To see what comes off in that mirror is pretty incredible. So that's just another quick tip or trick, um, you know, to help your patients visualize and see what's happening. It's very motivating. Yeah, or like those patients that start to use water pick for the first time and they're like, whoa, I spit out so much in my sink. I'm like, yeah, think of all these years that you haven't been using your water pick and you've been spitting that out night after night. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, I'm gonna try that 10X mirror trick. Uh, it's, It's frightening. (laughs) and and, uh, encouraging it'll make you do it so when we go the route of not wanting to scold our patients I get it because I've kind of I've been a patient and with my primary care physician 
I was actually a patient where my primary care physician would tell me something in terms of my weight in a weight year after year, I'd go in for my weigh in. Um, and my primary care physician would just tell me you have to lose weight, but wouldn't go into detail. And year after year, as I go in to my annual visit, my weight wasn't going down. And it wasn't until I started becoming concerned with how my weight affected my health. And so I did that research on exactly what I had to change that allowed that to happen. Because him telling me I had to lose weight wasn't enough. And unfortunately, truly is, neither is, you got a floss. And you know what? I think there is this mentality because how many times does this happen where you have a patient sit in your chair? I had a patient the other day before he even sat in the chair was like, hey, I just need to tell you I've not been flossing regularly. And I always joke. I'm like, I feel like this is the confessional. Like people walk in here and they immediately like are blurting out what they're not doing. Yeah. I think it's because there is this mentality of patients are like, oh, gosh, I'm going to go and they're going to yell at me because I'm not doing X, Y, Z. But yeah, so it's not a, I always say we have to remove the shame and blame. And right. here's another thing we have to think about. How many times have we seen that patient? And, and I've seen this a lot in, you know, some teenage boys where you come in, they come in and there's the red halo around those anteriors and there's just tons of plaque. And it's, I've come to find the more that I see it now, it is not that they're not doing their home care. I mean, yes, they could be doing better, but they're mouth breathers. Yep. So all day long, everything's just caking there. So we, we, we have to remove the shame and blame because it's not always just a brushing flossing issue. It's not always a home care issue. And so when we can remove that and just come with no assumptions and just say, hey, I'm seeing some buildup here. Talk to me about what you're doing. Are you interested in reducing this? And, you know, obviously talking to them about the risks of things, but our job is to empower people, not shame them and not give them lectures. 100%. And going into my primary care physician's office, I always knew I was going to get weighed, just like our patients always know we're going to look in their mouth. Yeah. Um, because with weight loss, there's so many factors. Um, but at the same time, so does proper home care and proper oral hygiene instructions. So at the end of the day, just flossing should not be what we talk about just flossing shouldn't be the only thing we talk about with our patients. So what I like to say is that taking care of your teeth is similar to starting a new diet or a gym lifestyle because you're having to make small, consistent improvements. And that's what's going to make it more of a habit rather than trying to do so much all at once. So if a patient's not flossing daily, we can't expect them to leave our chair and start to floss every single day from that moment on. So I'll, I'll tell them it's just a habit. It has to be created. You haven't been doing it all these years and now it's a habit. You have brushing as a habit, but not flossing. Um, so if it's a slow approach we have to take, then so be it. And I'll kind of even tell them something is better than nothing. So I tell them, start with just, hey, two times a week. Then once you start to get that going, move into three times a week. Then you'll move into four times a week and so on and so forth. And I think it's funny too, when patients will start to say, I was flossing so good, like two weeks after our appointment. And then I, and then that's it. I yes. stopped. So when I kind of lead this approach where I'm like, hey, just two times 
then three times, then four times, I'll then kind of guide them to what has personally helped me. And this is one of my favorite tips. And that's just to floss before you brush. Because what happens is when you brush, you feel clean and you're like, eh, let's skip the floss. I feel clean. We're good to go. But if you floss first, you're not going to feel that clean feeling that you get from brushing. So you're still going to brush. You're not going to skip it. So now you got both out of the way. And I think this is what helped me make flossing a habit, because like I said earlier, I was not always a flosser. It's something I had to create as an adult, as a habit. And I feel very comfortable telling my patients that I don't want my patients to think that I'm the hygienist. I thought my hygienist was that was perfect. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I tell them that I wasn't always a flosser. That's what helped me. And I want them to know I'm just someone who didn't do it regularly, but I worked hard to make it a habit because it's a necessary tool. Yes, I think anytime we can make ourselves relatable to patients and that we're normal human beings, I think that's helpful. I am in your camp. I am also, I believe in flossing before you brush. And again, with the 10X makeup mirror, I really believe that because I've tried it both ways. And you brush and then you floss and you see you're still pulling things out and then you're just leaving them there. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely, and I've had patients ask me that, like, which, which is better to do? And you know, there's no research definitively to show that, but I'm in your camp. I always say floss first and then brush, brush away everything you just disrupted. And an analogy I like to also put towards it is you're going to clean your counters before you clean your floor. And that kind of is where flossing first comes before brushing. Because if you clean your floors and then you're cleaning your counters, now everything you just cleaned off your counters is on your floor. Exactly. If you're flossing after you brush, you're kind of just leaving it, like you said. And that's I think- a, That's a great think, analogy, I like that. Yeah, use it, <laughs> it works. <laughs> I will. So returning back to my topic of fitness and dietary lifestyle changes, I think the more we observe our body um, progressing and we witness improvements as we commit to these changes, it allows our motivation to become greater and it, we want to attain a specific appearance. I believe there's a similar dynamic to that applied to our approach of oral health. If we can encourage our patients to pay more attention to their oral routine and examine their teeth more closely and regularly, then maybe they'll start to notice those same factors that us as dental hygienists are usually looking at, like the color of their gums, where they have recession, they're crowding, now they're in their mirror flossing more, so they're looking at that crowding, they're looking at the wear, and they're looking at their crowns and their margins, and they're starting to even notice that some of those crowns are where all the food is being caught. Yes. So what we bring to their attention during one visit will eventually become something they naturally start to observe. The heightened awareness fosters a deeper connection with their oral health. And that's when patients begin to experience positive changes like reduced bleeding. And then they'll unexpectedly encounter maybe one day bleeding out of nowhere. And they're like, whoa, why is that happening? So now at your ne their next recall, they're like, hey, the, last week I started bleeding right over here. Um, and they're like wanting you to find out why. And they're wanting to like be back to no bleeding. So I understand in the world of hygiene, 
The one thing like we've already mentioned is always time. And that's what we're worried about. And like I said, I get it. I'm probably the one that's like running on exact time or running over every time. Um, and I'm trying to use every second of my time. So like we mentioned, just working on it while you're in the mouth for oral hygiene instruction is what is going to allow that to be the perfect time and allow you to get what you need to, the point you need to get across. So the moment I'm having our, my patient open their mouth, I'm kind of doing a scan. And this is kind of leading into how I'm taking my appointment approach. Um, and I'm looking to see where they are leaving plaque. Like you mentioned earlier with probing and plaque, I'm doing a plaque scan while, they're, while I'm probing as well. Because there's nothing, this is my sarcasm moment, there's nothing better than probing an area filled with plaque yep. and it's covering all the lines on your probe. Yep. <laughs> that was my day. <laughs> nothing better. So when I'm seeing this, this is telling me a lot about their home care. Because typically we're also probing before we even start any kind of debridement or anything like that. So are they only leaving the plaque on the linguals of those mandibular molars? Then chances are they're maybe only focusing on just the buckles or like I like to tell my patients the outside of your teeth. Yep. And you're probably not moving your tongue out of the way to reach those back teeth just because they can't see it. So they tend to think, if I can't see it, I don't got to clean it. And I do let them know that it is a commonly forgotten area. Um, and if you kind of think back to all your probe depths, those are those tend to be the areas where you're getting higher um, readings. Yes. Um, because it's not an area that you're constantly cleaning as a patient, typically. And I think a lot of times, you know, some of the, these patients have those uncontrollable tongues. And I think their tongues get in the way and they don't even realize it. So yeah, I do the same thing. And I'll actually take my finger and run it down in through the vestibule there and say, hey, you feel where my finger is? That's where you want your toothbrush to be. I think what's probably happening is your tongue just kind of pushes it out of the way. And again, we're kind of mindlessly thinking about other things. So we don't even notice. Yep, totally. And because you have some form of resistance there, it just allows you to come back to another area. Yes. Or if I'm noticing that they're getting it, like I'm finding a lot of plaque on the, on the molar, the upper molars, but towards the back, then I'll kind of point that out to them. And I'll say, Hey, you're probably trying to get all the way to these back teeth. But what happens is you're opening your mouth to its maximum. And then your cheek is also stretched out to its maximum. So your cheek is no longer stretchy to allow your toothbrush to get back there. Because what happens is you're opening your mouth super wide, your cheek is being stretched, your toothbrush is reaching a resistance. So I'll go into um, detail on how to close their mouth a little bit to allow that cheek to be stretchier and get those um, back molars, especially when they have erupted wisdom teeth. That's an area they're really not getting typically. Yes, I, in fact, I think we educate very similarly, Karina. Um, I had a patient today who I had that conversation with, and I was having the conversation where we were recommending her getting her wisdom teeth out. And that was one of my reasons. She, that was the only place in her mouth she had any kind of pocketing or inflammation. Everywhere else looked gorgeous. Um, but when I stuck my finger back there and had her close, I always say, you know, open wide. And I stick my finger back and I say, close a little bit. And now I can curve it around the back of the, the distal there. 
I couldn't get around to the back of that, even with her clothes like that. I'm like, see, I can't even reach. Like, there's no way you can get a toothbrush back here. This is going to be an issue down the road because you can't keep it clean. Yep, 100%. And then it's sad because then in the future, they're starting to have um, deeper probe depths on those second molars, or now they're coming in with an area of decay. And I'm sure doctors love doing composites on the buckle of one or two. Yeah. <laughs> um, so at the end of the day, it's just all these little tips, those simple little tips that help us tailor our instruction to that specific patient. So I am a big fan of all the additional home care adjuvants we offer, such as Perio Protect, electric toothbrushes, all these things that they may purchase from us in our office. But truly, how can we expect them to be compliant with these things if there aren't, they aren't understanding the basics? Everything, like I mentioned earlier, is also about how you word it. Simply asking a patient a yes or no question, such as, do you floss, isn't going to give you the truth. So how about asking, like you were mentioning earlier, what are your brushing habits? And then when it comes to flossing, I don't like to say, do you floss? I like to say, what are you doing to clean in between your teeth? I'm not asking when, that's next. <laughs> but I am asking, what are you doing to clean in between? And that alone, wording it like that, can open up a big conversation. Yeah, I and I like I always like I said, I always say, what are you doing to take care of your mouth? Because I have some patients that will you know, they use the water pick every day. I have some patients and here's I'm going to get on my soapbox for a second. Um, you know, patients say, well, I'm brushing, I'm flossing and I'm using mouthwash. I'm like, oh, well, what kind of mouthwash are you using? Um, I'm trying to get I'm currently on a campaign to get everyone off of um, mouthwash, just, you know, the Listerine and the Crespo Health and all those kind of things, because we're seeing all these studies. It's killing our good, healthy bacteria, which we desperately need. It's driving our nitric oxide oxide levels lower. Um, there's a big study connecting it to high blood pressure. So I've been having a lot of those conversations, too. And I think just that general question of what are you doing to care for your mouth? And here's a big key to that. I love to ask that when I'm checking in on medical history changes and dental concerns, because what I don't want to do is lean them back. And like you said, I kind of take that visual scan and run my Explorer around and I'm looking at the beginning, like, what is, what are we up against here? What's happening? Um, I don't want to ask that question then, because then I almost feel like it's a judgy question. Like I'm looking and I'm like, well, how often are you brushing? So I like to ask that before I've ever even looked in their mouths, just to kind of build that, you know, ground information. Yeah, especially with like new patients and kind of just building rapport, um, getting to know them before I even start taking x-rays. I'm asking those kind of yep. questions. Yep. Um, and I think at that moment, they do also tend to be more honest with their answers. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think too, I love how you're doing that with the mouth rinse because patients like swear that mouth rinse is everything. And I am a big believer in mouth rinse, but the right mouth rinse, because right. as we've learned, pH matters. Yes. pH in the mouth matters. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're doing that. Yes. Um, one other tip I want to give, and I know we didn't talk a whole lot about water picking, but I am a fan of water picking. I and and I honestly will tell patients that I I'm cool with them alternating, 
where they floss one day and they water pick one day. And they, they kind of go through that routine because I feel like they have two different purposes and they both can be very effective, but they don't do the same job. Um, you know, I do have some patients that'll do both like floss in the morning and water pick at night. And I'm like, well, you're just a golden child, but not everybody's willing to do all of that. But what I'll say with water picking is I've had so many patients, we do sell them in our office. We have the rechargeable one, um, the portable, and you have to explain how to use it mm-hmm. because I've had so many patients say like, I use that once and I'm never using that again. And I always say, did you try to watch yourself in the mirror? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, no, 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 you don't do that. That gets all over the mirror, all over the counter. Like it's a disaster. You're never going to do it again. Hang your head over the sink. Start on a low setting. It's not about waterboarding yourself. And just trace where that water comes out right along the gum line, almost like a pen, like you're drawing a line around the gums and just trace it all the way around the buckle, come back around on the lingual, do the same thing on the lower and just let everything fall into the sink. And patients are like, oh, that makes so much sense. And then I have a few that do it in the shower and that's a great idea too. So I just wanted to put that out there. (laughs) Yeah, and I too am a big fan of water pick um, because truly flossing can get to a point with certain patients where it's just not doing anything, unfortunately, especially like patients that are with large embrasure spaces. Those are definite plaque traps, food traps. So a thin little piece of floss is not getting all that out. Um, And I love to recommend water picks, but again, you have to talk about how to use it because if they have a bad experience, now they're like, Oh, I'm not using this. Um, And I also really love, and I'm sure you do too, um, proxy brushes of the appropriate appropriate size for the correct embrasure space. And then um, soft picks are amazing. And I have a lot of patients walk out the door with rubber tips. Um, I like, I think that's a really easy, comfortable tool for people to use. And especially my perio patients or those patients that have, it's almost like their teeth sit deeper into their gums. You know what I mean when I say that? Um, and they just have that extra flange of gum around each tooth. And just that that rubber tip fits in there perfectly. And they can just rub it around and really disrupt and, and remove and disrupt that biofilm. And it's, you know, those rubber tips are actually really hard to find. Oh, like, really? They're never in stores. It's I always have to send my patients on Amazon for those because they're just hard to find. Yeah, we actually order those. We carry those in our office so that I can send them home with them. I can show yeah. them how to use it and then send them home with them. Yeah. That's probably the best option because I don't know who is in charge of stocking these stores, but it's like I go to these, these dental aisles um, and I'm like, what is this? Who chooses these items? Um, and so I also just wanted to kind of reflect on myself because I, when I, I've been practicing for seven years now, um, and I have kind of, when I first got out of hygiene school and within my first few years, I was the kind of hygienist that did not go into oral hygiene instruction because I always thought to myself, I was like, well, who am I? Why would they listen to me? Um, They haven't been flossing all this time. Why would they start now? And it wasn't until I started working at a practice where the dental hygienist was the dentist's wife and she had those patients 
to the T, like every single patient, every single recall, they came in like sparkling clean, three months, six months. And I'm like, this lady just made her life easier, patient after patient. Um, and so I think that really opened up my eyes into seeing that if we truly talk to our patients about what's needed, they can get to a point of really good oral health. Um, and so I think that we have to remember we are dental professionals. We have to work hard at empowering our patients. It's what we pretty much gave an oath to do. Um, it's a standard of care that we have to live up to. But I just want to wrap up everything. I want to express my heartfelt gratitude for everyone listening in this far. Um, and I want to give a special thanks to you, Sharissa, for hosting me once again. It's always an absolute pleasure. Um, and just for everyone listening, remember every conversation about oral health can make a significant impact on someone's life. So keep your conversations going, keep empowering your patients and keep smiling brightly until next time. I love it. Well, Karina, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for just being this passionate, bright light hygienist that really cares about what you do um, for our patients, but also just our profession in general. And like I said, if you guys haven't followed her yet, go do it. Toothy, toothy and bougie, um, super fun and obviously very knowledgeable and very passionate. So Karina, thank you so much again. I hope everyone has a great week and let's get those patients brushing and flossing for properly. Everyone have a great week. Bye-bye everybody. Bye. Thanks for taking your valuable time to invest in yourself and listen to this episode. I hope it's been thought-provoking, empowering, and stirred your curiosity. If you've enjoyed this content, please click the subscribe button to catch new episodes or share this episode with your colleagues. To keep track of upcoming Bulletproof events and opportunities, visit bulletproofhygiene.com or better yet, join the Mighty Network Bulletproof Hygiene community to connect with like-minded dental professionals that share ideas, struggles, and wins. Have a great week, everybody.